I'm going to tell you a quick story. Street performers tell great stories. I remember seeing you sweat. Be they comic or tragic, they're always entertaining. Oh my God, what a good one. This is a Stories from the Pitch short. Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a growing oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. Good-natured hijinks. Take street performers off the pitch and put them into a relaxed social situation, and pranks, shenanigans, and a certain amount of mischief is the inevitable outcome. But like the classic masks from Greek theater, sometimes these escapades produce both comedy and tragedy. The great Dave and I sat down between shows at the Dubai Marina Mall Street Performers Festival to get his version of exactly what happened on that fateful night when he and Jonathan Taylor from the Daredevil Chicken Club embraced the challenge of a naked forward roll competition, then faced the devastating consequences in a story we've simply entitled Broken. Yeah, we had this uh, evening with Jonathan Taylor and Anne Goldman, who were doing the Daredevil Chicken uh, Club show at the time. They were touring Australia as well. They were also working in Sydney. And we invited them down to Kaima during the weekdays, like oh, Monday, Tuesday, just because we weren't really doing anything. And they came down, it was Sunday evening, I think it was January the 6th, I think it was. Beautiful Sunday evening. Summer, Beautiful summer's summer. evening, barbecue out in the backyard, absolutely lovely, had a few drinks. A few was... <laughs> it actually wasn't, yeah, people go, oh, you must have been drunk when that happened. And I was like, no, it actually wasn't that, no, we were just, it was hijinks, it was high spirits, we were having fun, it was a lot of fun, you know, hanging out with John and Ed's. Is fun. And one thing led to another, and we ended up just doing stupid games, stupid pranks, stupid things, whatever. And the ultimate stupid thing challenge the was. The ultimate stupid challenge was a naked diving forward roll competition. Thank you, Anne Goldman, for that awesome suggestion. <laughs> um, to be fair, Jonathan and I, you know, grabbed it with fervor and went for it. Gusto. And uh, oh, yeah, we did. And our backyard had a slight sort of incline down to a drop uh, at the end of the yard uh, which went down onto a railway line uh, it was a verge a railway verge so and no fence is it an on your mark get set go kind of thing totally yeah on your marks get set go Jonathan and I both go for it it was dark as well uh, at the time and we just went for it and I don't know why I didn't think that there was an end to this garden and maybe I should stop at some point. I was determined to win, I think. I was just going... So oh, it was a dive roll, another dive roll, another diving dive roll. roll. Exactly, yeah. And uh, it sort of sloped down and then there was a little ridge and a bump and then it dropped down. And I must have just gone clean over that and Jonathan hit the ridge. That's the only reason he stopped, was he, he fell into this ridge. So um, your prowess as a naked dive roll champion... I'm undisputed champion. Absolutely. No However, the prize for being champion was was dropping nine meters onto a railway line. Yeah, onto a hard shingle uh, railway line and breaking my back in two places. Yeah, T eleven broke it in half. T twelve broke into about five different pieces. Middle of your back. Middle of my back. Yeah. Um, and I sort of came to on the floor on my side in absolute agony and couldn't move my legs. Like yeah, couldn't move my legs. Terrifying. Paralyzed. Absolutely. Couldn't move them at all. I could, if you touch them, I could feel you touching them, but I couldn't move them. And it was really just like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? I was in absolute agony, and I knew I needed to be moved onto my back, to lie on my back on my knees in the air, which I managed to persuade them to do eventually. And it um, Totally relieved a lot of pain, a lot of pressure. And actually afterwards, 
we sort of coyly told the doctors when we got there, we said, well, by the way, we kind of moved him. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to do that. And the doctor said, you are absolutely not supposed to do that. But in this instance, what you did was relieve the pressure. Because where my T12 uh, vertebrae broke into five pieces, there was a sharp piece of bone basically poking into my spinal cord. Yeah, it had pierced my spinal cord. Um, and by moving me onto my back, that I think it relieved that. It sort of removed it from the pressure, the pressure on my spinal cord. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it happened initially. Jonathan came, somehow managed to get down there and was looking after me, um, sort of asking me if I was okay. And went, naked. Naked. Train came by. <laughs> I still remember the train driver's face looking out the window, a beautiful, perfect double take of just like, what the hell is that? What are they doing? Uh, he must have radioed up the line to say, there's two naked guys on the track. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't let any more trains come past for a while. So they stopped the trains, thankfully. And then the SES, the State Emergency Service, were called, well, the ambulance were called first of all. They looked at it and went, well, we, we can't get down there. So they called the SES, the State Emergency Service, who came and abseiled down. And then they couldn't get the stretcher back up again. So they then had to walk down the track about two kilometers and then come all the way along the track, get me on a stretcher. Walked me all the way back and, and back up to where the ambulance was. They'd left the lights on in the ambulance, so the battery was flat. So they then had to call for another ambulance from the hospital. Drove into the hospital, Wollongong Hospital, which is our nearest uh, big hospital, like half an hour drive away. Sort of went, well, we can't do anything with you. He's, he's a spinal injury. We should send him up to the Royal North Shore. So I got airlifted up to the Royal North Shore. Sydney. Sydney, yeah. And they they x-rayed me, they cat scanned me, they MRI scanned me, they poked and prodded me and basically said, well, you've broken your back in two places, but all the bones are kind of in the right place. So rather than operating on you, um, you just got to lie there for two months. Don't move for two months, and then we'll have a look afterwards and see how it's healed. If it's healed like we think it's going to heal, you'll be fine. And if it hasn't, then we'll operate on you then. And the temporary paralysis was because my spinal cord had inflamed within the spinal cavity because of the injury it had sustained. And they said, look, you have pierced your spinal cord a little bit, we don't know the extent of your long-term injuries now. Once the spinal cord is uh, reduced in inflammation, then we'll know a bit more. But they, what they predicted has pretty much been exactly what it was. There was um, they reckoned that I would have uh, about 80% use of my left leg. My right leg, they reckon, would be fine. My left leg, they wouldn't work as well. as it, I've lost about 20% of the use of my left leg. What is it they call it? The... Dave Evans Gate. Yeah, I'd never heard that until last night. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll own that one. No worries. Yeah, um, and at that moment, um, I kind of said to them, they said, well, what do you do? What's what's your profession? And I kind of went, oh, I'm a juggler and a unicyclist. And they said, well, you won't be riding unicycles again. Ever? Ever. They said, yeah, you won't be doing that. And I was like, mm, yeah, I probably will, actually. And they said, no, 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 you won't be doing that again. I was like, right, screw you. That's what I'm doing. So I then decided, right, okay, my end game of where I want to go, what I want to achieve is to do the cup and saucers on the unicycle. That's um, for your recovery then, that's your goal. That was my goal. And within a year, almost to the day actually, I got um, the Taste of Tasmania Street Theatre Festival in Hobart. I performed that trick like 12 months after that. So Yeah, I was pretty pleased with myself for that. <laughs> and we were talking about last, a little bit last night as well, how when your injury happened, the street performer community in Sydney Oh up. yeah, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. They called it Dave Day, which is very sweet. <laughs> but yeah, there, I mean, there was this sort of realization, I suppose, once they worked out that I was probably gonna be okay, but I was, I was sure as I wasn't gonna be able to work for- Two know, months. Well, more than that. Right. Um, 
yeah, yeah, I don't know how long it was. It was a while. It was six months, probably something like that. Um, so yeah, the community in Darling Harbour in Sydney uh, decided to do a day where everyone did a show and donated the hat from that show to a fund for me. Do you remember who was involved? Uh, yeah, Brent was there. Daredevil Chickens were there. Um, JP was there. Um, I've met people actually who I'd never even met who happened to rock up on that day and everyone was like, it's Dave Day, you've got to donate a hat. And they were like, oh yeah, okay, sure. That sounds like a good thing to do. I can't remember who it was now. Um, it was Dado actually. Dado rocked up and said, uh, yeah, sure, okay, I'll do that. Um, people I'd never met before, people who worked in Circular Key did it as well without being asked. They just thought, oh, that sounds like a good thing to do. Yeah, we'll do that. And um, Mario, uh, Clark McFarlane was there and he did his first ever Mario show on that day, uh, which is quite a sweet thing, really. And yeah, just I can't remember how much it was raised. It was a, it was a bit of money. It was like, no, God, no, it was five and a half, six grand, something like that. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And I can't tell you how how nice it is to be on the receiving end of that. It was like, well, I'd done benefit shows for people in Covent Garden, you know, when people were sick or broke a bone or something like that, and they were going to be out for a little while. What we normally do is we'd do a group show together, and then we'd have that show and give the person the money from that show. Right. And then what we realised was that actually, if we going to raise money for these people the best way to do that wasn't to do a group show because it was all a bit messy and a bit silly people would just do shows and donate their hats from that and um, so that's what they did and yeah it was it was amazing and it paid for a I, I needed to get back because my visa was uh, running out and uh, back to England back to England yeah. and I couldn't really fly in economy for 24 hours I was my back was all braced and like in sort of metal traction kind of stuff to hold it in one place. Um, so this, it paid for my effort on a, uh, we got the cheapest business class ticket that I could get, which was Air Lauder, Austrian Airlines. Not even sure they're still going now, but in a chair that would recline so I could lie down. And to, we couldn't afford one for tomorrow, so she's, we <laughs> managed to sweep to the air hostesses into getting her at the front of economy and me at the back of business. Oh, so, so we could kind of talk to each other. And like, I had two empty seats either side of me, and I said, could my partner please come and sit there? Like, no, absolutely not. And eventually the guy sitting next to me in business got up and made a big stink about it and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. Do you not realize what's going on here, what the situation is? The least you could do is give one of these empty seats to this person so she could be next to her partner, you fuckers. So he got up and said, I'll go and sit in economy. She can have my seat. At which point they kind of went, oh, oh, oh okay, sir. No, no, you, you stay there. We'll let her come here. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was well, people stood up. They took your side. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was, um, I forgot about that until just now, actually. Um, so yeah, that paid for that. Meant I could get home, which was pretty special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and again, just a really lovely. As Brown was saying last night, it was this really amazing kind of community feel. My mum actually, um, she came out to visit my dad. They couldn't really afford, I think, for them both to come out. So my mum came out to visit me in hospital and just to sort of keep me company and mm -hmm. look after me and so on. And she was in Darling Harbour on that day, and she said that they just treated her like a a queen like that everyone like bought her drinks bought her food sat around kept her company for the whole time and she was just blown away by how caring and considerate and generous our community was it was a really special special thing you don't see that when a lawyer has an accident a lot no. of the other lawyers get together and no, give one of their cases to them do they absolutely yeah it was yeah. very very special it was um, a real reminder of uh, what a strong community we are and what important we can be and how yeah super important it is and, um, and that we're not all a bunch of money grabbing greedy people who you know uh, it's quite easy sometimes to get down on street theatre and get down on us as a community and how sort of selfish we can be and so on and this was a really good reminder that actually 
Right, where are I? There's a bunch of people, we're a good bunch. Stories from the Pitch is produced by the Busker Hall of Fame and is made possible through the efforts of a dedicated team who share a passion for the recording, editing, and presenting of these stories. This episode is proudly sponsored by Dolphin Creative, a company dedicated to supporting street theater and all of the incredible characters who make up this world. Wherever you perform, Dolphin Creative salutes you. For more information, please visit dolphincreative.org. And huge thanks to Stuart and his team for sponsoring this episode. If you'd like to support what we're doing, please do consider swinging by the Busker Hall of Fame website and throwing a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button. Or become a sustaining supporter of the project at patreon.com slash buskerstories. Your contributions really do allow us to grow this resource and generate more content, so thanks in advance for supporting this project and helping us keep busking history alive. Music for this episode came from Tim Sars and the Carnival Band from Vancouver. Links to both Tim's work and the Carnival Band are posted in the notes section for this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website, so do check them out. Got a story to tell? Something you think we could improve? A performer you'd like us to interview? Or perhaps you're interested in becoming a sponsor of an upcoming episode? If so, drop me a line at cbg at buskerhalloffame.com. On behalf of myself, story editor Magic Brian, and the rest of the staff of the Busker Hall of Fame, we hope this finds you well. And as you perform for audiences around the world, please remember to use your superpowers for good. I'm David Aiken, the Checkerboard Guy. Thanks for listening.